Hey friends, I want to welcome you to another episode. In today's podcast, what I'm going to be going over is Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 through 12. It is a section of scripture known as the Beatitudes. I hope you'll stick around and join me. Hey, again, I want to say welcome wherever it is that you are listening from. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I would ask that if you find value in this video, that you would simply hit that thumbs up button. You would subscribe. You would give it a heart, whatever platform it is that you are consuming this content from. My goal is just to come alongside of you, be a help and an encouragement, maybe edify and uplift you. And so I want to get right into it. Our scripture is Matthew chapter 5, and again, it is uh, verses 3 down to 12 that we're going to be covering. Now, before we start in verse number 3, I actually got to, got to handle verse number 2 because this is beautiful. We see the intention from Jesus. It says that he opened his mouth and he taught them. Teaching is one of the primary things that Christ came to do. Yes, he came to save us from our sins and to rescue us and to do all those other good things. But he doesn't just save us and take us on home to be with the Lord. What does he do? He wants to conform us into his own likeness and image. And part of the ways, uh, one of the ways, the primary way that he does that is through the means of discipleship. And discipleship would denote that there would be some teaching that would be involved in your life. Praise the Lord for the church that he brings along teachers and preachers and evangelists. And, and the intention and the purpose of this is to get this out, this gospel out, and to get his word out. So Jesus understood from the get-go what people needed. Yes, he is talking here. He went up on a mountain. He is seated with his disciples. But this is not just primarily addressed to his disciples. Jesus is also addressing the multitudes, and this is what they needed. You know what? I think that's what we need the most today. I love the church that uh, that I get to pastor, and I love the church in general, although I have some concerns. And one of my concerns is just the way that the culture has shaped and shifted what church has become. Now, if you're part of a Bible-believing, teaching, and preaching church, then I say, God bless you. But you know what? I'm absolutely convinced that we are becoming more and more illiterate when it comes to God's Word. God's Word is, 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 is watered down. You say, well, what does that mean when it's watered down? We just don't preach God's Word. We're preaching motivational pop psychological sermons all the time. And, and, and most of these churches are, are purchasing nice, uh, neatly packed sermon in a box and, and kicking off some new sermon series that has to do with improving your life. And I get that. Like, right, people have needs and real felt needs. But in reality, we need to start aligning with the mission and the purpose of Jesus. What was his mission and what was his purpose? Yes, to come save, but he also came to teach and to preach. And so we see Jesus laser sharp on what the people needed the most. And so I hope today you recognize your need. Your need, first and foremost, is for Jesus. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. We're going to see that in verse number three. But also, we need teaching. We need more of God's Word than ever before. 
So Jesus opens his mouth and he begins to teach them. Now, what does he say? Well, in verse number three, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There are a lot of things that are in this verse that I want to point out. First and foremost is, is we need to be very careful how we define the word blessed. Now, in the most simplistic terms, the word blessed means to be happy. But it is so much more than happy. We're, we're not talking about a psychological state of mind. No, this is actually much, much more. I'm going to show you just a, just a little bit of commentary. This isn't any kind of a deep dive commentary by any means. This is what I'm going to show you is something called the life application commentary. And this is what I walk through. I am walking through this particular week with my church and uh, this is not authoritative. This is man's words. I want to make that absolutely clear. There are many, many different aids and helps. Praise the Lord that, that we live in a day and age that we have access to this kind of material. So this is called the Life Application New Testament Commentary. It is not overly scholarly and it's not overly deep. And I think that this is a really ideal fit for the average person that is sitting in the pew. There's a couple of those. I probably should need to make a video that that goes over my recommendations. I also love the Bible knowledge commentary as well, but I want to read this. It says this is concerning verse uh, chapter 5, verse 3. The author says, The Beatitudes describe how Christ followers should live. How many agree with that? That is a great statement. Each Beatitude tells us how to be blessed. Now we're going to get into this. What does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed means more than happiness. Well, go on. Let's find out. It means to be favored and approved by God. According to worldly standards, the type of people whom Jesus described don't seem to be particularly blessed by God. Now, I want to stop and unpack that statement for just a second. What does the author mean by that? Well, the author is saying that the multitudes that have come to see Jesus, these aren't necessarily the upper escalon, if you will, of society. These aren't the, 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 the rich folk. These aren't the upper class, the 1%. These are your everyday, ordinary people. And so that's some good news for us, right? There were a lot of uh, poor people, a lot of needy people. There were a lot of sick and afflicted, just as we saw in the previous section at the end of chapter number four. There There were some folks that probably would get overlooked. And so I really like how Jesus is addressing them. Let's go back to this to this uh, commentary now. God's way of living usually contradicts the world's. Boy, that's a statement in itself. God's way of living usually contradicts the world's. Jesus explained that God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. Now, this is the key right here. This is, in reality, is what this verse means. And you say, well, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, that's the New King James. If I showed you in the New Living Translation, it actually gives us a really good picture of this. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. So let's go back now. Only those who humbly depend on God are admitted 
into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. The final consummation of all these rewards and of the kingdom itself lies in the future. However, believers can already share in the kingdom as far as it's been revealed by living out Jesus's words. So let's go back to this now. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, sometimes there's some debate. Was Jesus meaning literally the poor, the, the, the folks that had no money? Yes, of course he was. Of course he was. But poor in spirit means much more than just not having a dollar to your name. Poor means that I have uh, a recognition within myself that I can do nothing without him. It is a complete and total and utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, there is a cross-reference that's in here. Let me show it to you. And this is in the uh, book of Isaiah, chapter 66. Let's take a look at this. Make this a little bit bigger for us. The Bible says, For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Now, to be contrite means to be broken, to be crushed, to be bruised. But God says, upon this person, I will look one who is of a poor and contrite spirit. And so this gives us some insight into what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize, who acknowledge their need for me. Now, I don't know exactly where it is you're watching from, but uh, here in the United States, there really isn't a great need for Jesus right now. And I think that this is probably one of the biggest challenges that believers face, at least in our demographic and in our culture today. It's real simple. Yes, folks can come to Jesus when they need him, but it seems like it's just often in those times that we really, really need Jesus, that we want to press in and we want to depend on him. But Jesus is saying something completely different. He says, blessed, your state of being will be constant and consistent as we recognize our need for him. You know, I wasn't going to go in this direction, but I think I am. There is uh, a scripture and it's in the book of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, God is addressing uh, seven churches in Asia Minor. And many scholars and commentators have agreed that um, these, were, these were real and literal churches. There's really no dispute about that. Um, but also, they could represent a period of time. And the general consensus is that the very last church that is listed that I'm about to show you is a church by the name of Laodicea. And these are the last words of Jesus Christ as he gave to John while he was on the island of Patmos. So I want to show you here these words to the church of Laodicea. And you see if we can connect some dots to what Jesus was saying right out of the gate. He says in Revelation 3.14, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, what's the reason for this? I want to pause here for just a second. Jesus is saying that they are lukewarm, starting in verse 17 with the word because. Now, notice this. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, notice this. I have need of nothing. What was Jesus saying from the very beginning? He went up and he said, blessed, got to get back up there, blessed are the poor in spirit, those that recognize their need for him. You know, the closer that I walk and the longer that I walk with the Lord, I realize I need him more and more every single day. And one of the real temptations is, can be prosperity, it can be wealth, it can be even where we live here in the United States. We need to understand and realize that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we must humbly depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't allow things to settle in your spirit. Don't allow things to stop your passion and your pursuit for the things of the Lord. Again, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to address this phrase right here because he says, for theirs is, okay, is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to notice that that is in present tense. So there is a present reality of something that will happen also in the future. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, in verse number five, it says, they shall inherit the earth. So there is an already a present reality of your circumstances or your state of being that you can receive, which is called the kingdom of God. And there is something out in the future. You see, we want to make sure that we hold that tension between both of these things, the already and the not yet. Why is that important? That's because there's sometimes a lot of folks will say, well, you know, one day when I get in heaven, then everything is going to be all right. Now, is that true? The answer to that is yes, of course it is. Yes, what you said is absolutely true. But there is also something right here, right now, that God wants you to be able to experience. Maybe it's some peace. Maybe it is a... a, a uh, disposition of contentedness and humbleness that he wants you to be able to experience right now. There are some right now blessings that God can have for you. That's what he is describing right here in verse number three. For theirs is, is the kingdom of heaven. I like that. So it is right now already. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now verse number four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I'll, I'll pull up a little bit of a life application commentary here in just a second. But we've got to ask the question, is the mourning that is being described here, is he talking about people that have suffered loss? Maybe, maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they have gotten a bad health report. Is, is that the type of mourning that Jesus is talking about? Well, let me answer your question. I'm just telling you, this is just me, right? You need to study this out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. 
Here's what I believe. I believe, yes, I believe that that's included. God does comfort those that mourn. It says that he is close to the brokenhearted. But this mourn is not exclusively for those that are going through a tough time. This mourning actually carries the idea of being broken over your sin. So if you realize and understand, because we don't want to detach verse 4 from verse number 3, right? If you have a humble dependence upon the Lord, you understand that in in of yourself, in and of yourself, you have no righteousness. I need Jesus. And when you begin to see that need, when you begin to see the sinfulness that gets stored up and accumulated in your heart, you are going to you are going to mourn. You are going to be broken over your sin. And guess what God says? They will be comforted. So I don't take an either or approach on this. Because there are some folks that will do that. They would say, well, Jesus was talking exclusively about the poor, the economically disadvantaged folks. Yes, was he? Absolutely. But he's talking about those who have a need. It just so happens that folks that don't have two pennies to rub together usually need Jesus, don't they? Like, I don't know how you got by, but it had, you had to depend on God. And it's the same thing. We don't have an either or. He, it, it is both and. So yes, God can bless you and touch you when you mourn, when you are going through some stuff. But this mourning also is talking about a brokenness of sin. So let's take a look. Let's pull up uh, uh, the life application commentary. In another seeming contradiction in terms, Jesus explained that God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Tied with the beatitude in verse 3, oh, I like that. So he, in other words, he was, I just told you that, they're connected. That means that humility, realization of one's unworthiness before God, also requires sorrow for sins. Whether Jesus' followers mourn for sin or in suffering, okay, I like that because they're taking a both-and approach as well, God's promise is sure that they will be comforted. Only God can take away sorrow for sin, and only God can forgive and erase it. Man, I don't have a button, but I'd hit amen right there, right? Like, hey, if you haven't given this a thumbs up, don't give me a thumbs up. Give that statement a thumbs up, right? Only God can forgive and erase sin. Only God can give comfort to those who suffer for his sake because they know their reward in the kingdom. Oh, that is so good. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, I'm going to just pause here for just a second, because if there are some of you that are going through some stuff right now, maybe some heartache, maybe some some depression, maybe just something that has been weighing you down, yes, God can comfort you. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would touch and comfort and uplift those that are still listening here today, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your word. It is yes and amen. So God, we lay hold and claim these blessings. Lord, we need you. And so touch them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. All right, verse number five, blessed are the meek, 
for they shall inherit the earth. So here we see a future, future inheritance. Now, by the way, the Beatitudes, I had explained this on a previous episode. This is not anything new. Jesus is is not coming up with with, um, some new idea or new concept. No, this is deeply embedded from the Old Testament. And we're going to see that more and more as we go through the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Jesus is offering his interpretation of what it truly means to have a heart for God and to follow his word. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. By the way, there is uh, there's several scriptures. Let's see where it's at. Psalm 37, 11. Let's, let's read that. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now, when this particular psalm was written, what was the earth? For them, it was the promised land. That's what they were going to inherit, the meek, the, the, the humble, those that have uh, submitted their life to God's rule and God's reign. This is, by the way, what it means to be meek. will inherit the earth, inherit the land. But now what Jesus is doing is Jesus isn't talking about just the land of Israel. Now he's talking about the whole earth. Now I'm going to give you a big fancy word here because this is in light of some end-time promises. We'd call this eschatological promises. I, I shouldn't have even said that. Big fancy word. One day there's going to be a new heavens and there's going to be a new earth. God is going to renovate this place by fire. And you know what? I, I yearn and I, I eagerly wait and expect his return and when he's going to set these things right. And when he does that, there is an inheritance for his followers the folks that he's describing right here in the Sermon on the Mount. And you know what part of our inheritance is? It's the earth. It's the earth. You can find this in the book of Revelation. Let's take a look at uh, at the life application commentary. It says, God blesses those who are gentle and lowly. That's what it means to be meek. For the whole earth will belong to them. The words translated gentle and lowly convey humility, and trust in God. Gentle and lowly people do not look down on themselves. I like that he said that. Because you know what? Sometimes when we when we say, oh, I need Jesus, or I can do nothing without Jesus, that's not a bad thing. So we're not looking down on ourselves. And to be humble is, is not a state of, of, uh, of self-deprecation by any means. But he goes on, he says, but they don't think too highly of themselves either. You ever heard that phrase, don't take yourself so seriously? Don't think think too highly of yourself either. Ironically, it will not be the arrogant and wealthy people who get everything. Isn't that a description of what we're seeing today? At least that's the way a lot of folks feel. Uh, I mean, it feels like the rich keep getting richer, and this is just like some political pain points for a lot of folks. doesn't matter where you live. I've got family that's in Brazil, and it's like the rich just get richer and the poor get poorer. And so this whole gospel, this this Beatitudes is not just for the wealthy. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't enter in, and it doesn't mean that it's exclusively just for poor folks. But I really like that he said that here. Ironically, it will not be the arrogant and wealthy 
who get everything. Instead, the whole earth will belong to the gentle. Jesus used earth to refer to the future inheritance of the kingdom. Well, there's the scripture right there. If you want to know more about that, it's in Revelation 21 and 22. Believers will enjoy a new heaven and a new earth. God will one day freely give his true disciples what they did not grasp for themselves on earth. Now, that's, that is good. I really like how they did that there. Let's go on to verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I'm just going to jump right into it because this is uh, part of the devotion that I supply to our church. The words hungry and thirsty picture intense longings that people desire to satisfy, necessities that they cannot live without. Now, I'm going to pause there for just a second. When you think of being hungry or when you think about thirsty, how long can you go without food or water? Now, if you're fasting, you might be able to go 24 hours, 36, maybe even 72 hours, but you are going to be uh, feeling those pangs of, of hunger and thirst. And so these are, these are some things that come natural. You don't have to train your body to be hungry, do you? Or thirsty. These things just happen. And so I really like how he describes that. Those who have an intense longing, and now he uses the word justice for righteousness or blessed. Most likely this refers to personal justice, being so filled with God that the person completely does God's will. Justice refers to total discipleship and complete obedience. I just got to highlight right, that right there because... These are dirty words in our society today, right? Nobody wants to hear about nobody wants to hear about obedience. Nobody wants to hear about conformity to God's word. Nobody wants to hear about discipleship. Discipleship means to uh, it comes from the word discipline, right? It means to be a student, a worker, but discipline to train yourself. I mean, so radical, so counterculture, obedience, discipleship. It also may refer to justice for the entire world and end to the sin and evil that fill it. In both cases, God's, oops, God's promise is sure. They will receive it in full. He will completely satisfy spiritual hunger and thirst. So let's, let's, let's make this full circle here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, is it, again, we're coming into a matter of interpretation does it mean justice the way that we think? Yes and no. I know that there's a lot of folks that go around today and protest, you know, whether it's like police brutality or the war in Palestine. And people are calling for justice in every corner and every area of the world. But God's justice is a little bit different than what we would think. And I'm not saying whether those things are right or wrong. And I have no, no skin in the game whatsoever. Believe me. But God's justice is righteous. And there is nothing wrong when we see the circumstances and conditions of this world to say, oh Lord, I mean, this is what King David did, rise up and judge my enemies. Lord, how long will the wicked prosper, right? This is, this is what it means in that sense. If we take the word righteous, which is a very loaded term, 
And then also when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's also at a personal level as well. This is why he referred to it, the author did here, at least I I believe, um, uh, <clears throat> personal, there, there it is, I lost it. Most likely this refers to personal justice. Um, being so filled with God that the person completely does God's will. Now, if you are walking in God's will, I'm going to highlight this one a little bit different. If you are, if you are filled and consumed in saying, God, I want to walk the way you would have me walk. God, I want to do what you would have me to do. This is going after righteousness. This is pursuing righteousness. So we have two sides of the coin. We have righteousness as far as justice goes, which can be at, um, which can be at a level of society like, Lord, come quickly and Lord, I want to do your will. I want to conform. And where does that come from? It came from the previous verse, right? To be discipled, to be obedient. So again, another great verse. And I've got to give you a, a full disclaimer here. As much as I would love to, well, it doesn't mean I can't do it. The, the Each one of these verses, if you haven't noticed, can be a complete hour episode. We can do a series. There are... there. Uh, when I went into the introduction uh, of on the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, I talked a little bit about all the material that's available. Well, it's the same thing when we get into all of these different verses. All right, let's go back now. Let's look at the next verse. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That one seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But let's break that down. What does it mean to be merciful? Well, first we need to understand what does mercy mean? Very simplistic definition here, okay? So please bear with me. Mercy means not getting what you deserve. So what do, what do you and I deserve? We deserve death. Why? Because we're sinners. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that what it says? It also says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life eternal. So you and I don't get what we deserve when we put our hope and our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, when we confess and repent of our sins. That is mercy, not getting what we deserve. And so what is Jesus saying in this particular verse? He says, blessed are the merciful. So first I need to understand that God has been merciful to me. I think that that ties into the previous verses, doesn't it? I mean, if you are poor in spirit, if you understand your need, if you mourn, if you are broken over your sin, you are going to be so, so grateful to what God has done for you. This is how he comforts you. How does God comfort you? By giving you grace, by giving you mercy. And in turn, we go and we dispense mercy out so when you are merciful, you obtain mercy. Give, and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, right? That's Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And by the way, that ain't talking about the offering plate. I know that I just had to rhyme it there. But what we're talking about is give, and it will be given back to you. What you put out, not some weird Eastern mysticism, New Age kind of stuff. No, you give grace, you're going to receive grace. You give mercy, you're going to receive mercy. And so blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
Let's just go into verse number eight. Blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, I like this. For what? They shall see God. Did you know one day there will be a time when you take your last breath here on earth, and I don't know if it'll be by way of the grave or by way of the rapture, but there's one day you are going to open your eyes and you are going to see God face to face if you're pure in heart. And so I love this verse right here, but I, I want to take it a step further. I want to read just a little bit of this life application commentary. Can we do that? All right, it says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. People characterized as pure in heart are morally pure, honest and sincere. They are people of integrity and single-minded commitment to God. Oh, I wish we, I would encourage you to really sit on that statement. Single-minded commitment to God. Our allegiance is so spread today. Because of their sincere devotion to Christ, they will see God here and now through the eyes of faith. And finally, face to face. Oh, I love that. Now, I want to investigate this phrase because how do you see God right now? Well, let's look at Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. It says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Who is this talking about? It's talking about Moses. So Moses saw him who was invisible. So there is an aspect of seeing God right now by faith, according to the book of Hebrews. And then one day we will see him face to face. In fact, I want to read that scripture that he listed, 1 John 3, 2. It says, um, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, who's that talking about? Jesus, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So I, there's that phrase, we shall see him. Oh, I love that. All right, let's go to the next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become, be called sons of God. What does that mean? Those that promote and propagate peace. This, this does not say that there's going to be an absence of conflict. It just means we're on the side of peace. I've got something controversial to tell you right now, okay? So go ahead. You can write your letters. You can make some comments if you want. It's this whole, like, Israel-Palestinian conflict. You know what I'm for? I'm for peace. I pray for peace. I pray for peace in the land. That's what I'm praying for. And so Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Let's take a look and let's read a little bit. It says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God calls his children to be peacemakers. This involves action, not just passive compliance. Peacemakers actively work for peace to cause reconciliation, to end bitterness and strife. This peace is not appeasement but dealing with and solving problems to maintain peace. Arrogant and selfish people do not concern themselves with peacemaking. Peacemakers will be called the children of God because they reflect their father's character. I like that. I want to be a peacemaker. How about you? All right, let's go on. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's this persecution? Well, in this particular sense, it mostly would be um, persecution through physical harm, but not limited to physical harm. You know, uh, there are folks all over the world today that are suffering persecution as a result of their faith. If you live in some countries in the Arab world, not all of them, okay, because they're not all the same. We can't paint Muslims or Islams all in the same. Uh, I said Islams. I, I didn't mean it uh, plural. Islam is singular. But not every Islamic country is hostile. They, there are some Islamic countries that can cohabitate um, with with uh, Christians and 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 with Jews. Um, but there is a real persecution that arises, and it can come. It can come even from Hinduism or Buddhism. And by the way, I've got some news for you: uh, Christians have done their fair share of persecution. Just go to the Spanish Inquisition, and you can find out if her, uh, if if you know history. But blessed are those who are persecuted for what? For righteousness' sake, for theirs is we see the future tense there, the kingdom of heaven. And then he says in verse number 11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. You know, I'm going to read part of the life application commentary here in just a second, but when you're following Jesus, you're going to get folks that are going to talk about you. There and, and unfortunately, it may not even be from the world. Most of these uh, revilings and persecution, you know where they come from? They come from your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I call it from a bunch of lukewarm Christians that don't have an ounce of conviction in their body. And they get really, really nervous and get really, really uncomfortable when someone becomes on fire to God. I got to tell you, I got I've, the, the joys of trying to do videos. I've got someone blowing uh, leaves. I think it's my neighbor, but that's okay. You know what? That's probably my sign to say, hey, we sign off. I'm not going to do it right now, but I will wind this down. But let me go ahead and read here just a little bit. Don't you love it? I, I don't like editing, by the way. And so it's like, ah, you could go through and say, cut, edit this out. No. I'm not going to do all that. Hey, if you're still here, <laughs> if you are still here watching with me, why don't you comment down below and say, I'm still, I'm still here with you, Pastor, please. Would you do that? that that'll, that'll really make my day. All right, let's go into this. And it's not, it's like, when else is the person? It's, there's never a good time to blow leaves, I guess. All right, God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Jesus was telling his disciples that they shouldn't be surprised when people mock them, persecute them, and lie about them. Jesus would face such treatment. Later, he explained to his followers that they should expect nothing different. And then Jesus described the way the disciples should respond to persecution. Now get this. Be happy about it. Be very glad. This refers to deep spiritual joy that is unhindered and unchanged by what happens in this present life. I want to read that again because I think that is profound. This refers to deep spiritual joy that is unhindered and unchanged by what happens in this present life. 
A person with righteous character can rejoice and be glad because of the promise. A great reward awaits you in heaven. So I want to pause there. Remember, yes, we've got a reward. We've we've got, there's an old song that says, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. If you don't know that song, that's okay. I don't even know it that well. But, the, but, but it's the idea. There's something that's there waiting, but we also... Come on now, we can. We have something right here and right now. And so this refers, he says, to deep spiritual joy that is unhindered and unchanged by what happens in this present life. Lord, that is what I want. Lord, I, 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 I don't want to be changed. I don't want to be swayed. I don't want to be hindered. I just want to go through and know that you've got my back. I love that. He goes on, besides that, the disciples had good company. The ancient prophets were persecuted too. Jesus placed his disciples in a long line of God's followers who lived righteously and spoke truthfully only to suffer for it. I got to stop. Well, maybe I don't have to stop, but I got to tell you, you know what? We're, we're living in a day and an age when we can't be holding back anymore. I mean, really, come on. We cannot be holding back. Sometimes we're like, man, I just, I don't want to offend. I, I, I don't want to get people upset, and I don't want to bug them, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that. Here's the thing. We, we have got to speak truthfully, and will you suffer for it? You very well could, but be happy about it. Be happy about it. Have the joy that says, you know what, Lord, I'm doing what you have told me to do. Lord, I'm doing what you have called me to do. And Jesus explained that to live and to speak for God in the face of unjust persecution, as the ancient prophets did, would bring great reward in heaven. Now, I cannot close this without making this obvious. I don't think as of right now, okay, today is... I don't even know what today is. Today's someday in January, 2024. As of this moment, as of the recording of this video, we're really not suffering persecution, at least here in this nation, the United States of America. Doesn't mean that that won't change. But what Jesus was giving, can you imagine the persecution that happened after, after, after Jesus was crucified, rose from the grave, I mean, these Christians ended up giving their life. We know part of church history. For the next 300 years or so, they would be slaughtered and massacred. They would be given over to Rome for gladiator uh, presentations, fed to the lions. We're talking some real persecution. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, and I'm not trying to shame you either. But most, most we sometimes our biggest problem is is we don't even want to walk across the street to tell our neighbor about Jesus. We're afraid if we're pushing our shop, shopping cart down the aisle to even say the word Jesus. We go to work and we say, "Well, I don't. I'm, I've got to be politically correct." You know what? I'm done with all that stuff. Jesus, right? Jesus. That. Oh, or you, 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 you can't. You can't say Merry Christmas anymore. We just came out of Christmas season. Are you serious? Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. <laughs> We're not being persecuted yet. And if you do happen to be persecuted, at least in this sense with words, then guess what Jesus said? Jesus said, be happy about it. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Praise God. 
I, I just, I, I'm so grateful for the words of Jesus. I want to remind us that he started out and he started with our greatest need. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I hope you need Jesus because I definitely need Jesus. So why don't you send this to somebody who needs Jesus? I want to thank you so much today for tuning in. I don't know how long I've went. I'd have to look here in just a second, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to spend another minute or so here explaining to you what uh, I've got going on. Normally, I've been doing podcasts. I've done a, quite a few podcasts. I think I'm up to like episode 164 or 165. Podcasting became um, an outlet for me. Very, I, I, I love podcasting. But what I'm doing now on video is something entirely different. And so I'm praying that I can get just as I got really used to podcasting, just turning on the machine. If, uh, in fact, I'll show it to you here. I've got this little uh, roadcaster. I've got the whole setup. I could just come into my office at any time, fire this thing up, and just go. I didn't have to worry about anything. But now, you know, the Lord has. I've I've had it on my heart for a long time. But making videos is something entirely different. And so, my prayer is, I'm not. I'm not looking to get popular. I'm, I'm not looking to make a name for myself. I just want to genuinely share God's word more and more. So I say all that to say this. Please pray for me. Pray for me that, that um, I would have strength and clarity and I would not let any of these things hinder me because psychologically it's um, sometimes it can be a little bit of a process to say, how can I just go? So I need Jesus. So pray that <laughs> that I can have more of him. And then also pray and share this with some other folks. I want to say again, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.